0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, two massage therapists in a microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hopefully, you guys have been digging on everything that we've been putting out in season three. Like we said before, I dig season three. I don't know what about it. It is maybe it's our maybe it's our semi. I think it's the n- new, new setup. setup. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and we're hanging out in our nice, warm, cozy office today, and we're talking to another guest over the phone. It's Alicia, who is in. Nova Scotia, and she's the president of the Massage Therapist and Holistic Practitioner... Ugh, let me try that one again. That's she, a and, mouthful, eh? Right? That is a mouthful. And she's the president of the Massage Therapists and Holistic Practitioners Association of the Maritimes. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit today about um, what's going on out there in Nova Scotia with the associations. We'll talk a little bit about regulation and uh, title protection for massage therapists. So, Alicia, thanks for... Hanging out with us on such a cool day.
2: Thanks for having me. It's nice to be um, invited to do the show. And yeah, I'm the president of the Massage Therapists and Holistic Practitioners Association of the Maritimes. And I've been in this position for about three years and on the board before that um, as member at large, kind of learning the ropes. And um, it's been an interesting time here. January 1st, we um, now have the Massage Therapist Title Protection Act was proclaimed. So that's a new law here for us. And that's what I'm here to talk about mainly.
1: All right. Awesome. So why don't we start at the beginning then? How long have you been a massage therapist?
2: Since 2010.
1: Okay. So actually, similar to myself. And what type of... What type of practice did you start out in? like give us a little bit of a history on your career path in massage therapy?
2: uh, sure, so when I graduated, I worked at a small spa. I think that was my first job. I actually had a short lived uh solo practice, but anyway, um <laughs> was not ready for that in any way, shape, or form. so went to a small spa and worked there for a while. I worked at another Small boutique spa after that and um, then I moved away for a while. I actually lived in Mexico City for a year and a half uh, with my boyfriend at the time so um, we're not together anymore but uh, it was a cool experience and when I came back went back to massage and I worked in a couple more spas actually and uh, it wasn't really the right setting for me actually, and uh, I have a lot of chemical sensitivity, so it wasn't super healthy either. And then I worked at kind of a boutique clinic for a while, which was cool, but um, I really never took off as a typical massage therapist, and I found Rapid Neurofascial Reset in 2017, and you guys might
0: have heard about it. Yeah, I've seen uh I've seen it on Facebook a little bit.
2: What do you yeah.
1: mean? What do you mean when you say I never really took off as a traditional massage therapist? What does that mean? Can um, I guess?
0: Can I guess?
1: <laughs> you want to <laughs> guess? guess. Yeah, okay.
0: do you want to guess. I'm going to guess you're not all about between the sheets and Swedish techniques. Am I wrong on that? Is that was that a good guess?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really all about that. I think it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I think it really is. And I think a lot of people do it so well. Um, I just, I had an injury actually, my, right before I started school. So school was starting in August and I think maybe in June or July, I tore my left shoulder apart and couldn't even lift my arm. So I worked through pain for school and then I tried to get a lot of help. I tried physio. I tried massage therapy. I tried everything. Um, but I still had all this chronic pain, and it really settled into myofascial um, restriction, really bad all through both shoulders and my neck, back. So as I was working in the spas doing back-to-back massages, you know, five a day, it would just tighten up continuously. So... I didn't also, I didn't feel great doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it made it really challenging, um, but that's okay because I feel like when you're injured yourself, you have to learn, and that makes you able to better help the clients that you see. I really do feel that. How
0: do you go from practitioner to being involved with the association?
2: Uh, Well, I just kind of went to the meetings. Every AGM that I was around for, I would go and kind of watch and listen to what was going on um, and pay attention to the emails and all of that. And then every year they kind of ask for volunteers to be on the board. And so the first few years, as I was just trying to get myself together, I didn't feel like I could take on that responsibility. But as time went on, it kind of just um became evident that somebody had to. Uh, We have a small association, and um, I know you probably know this is a problem for a lot of boards. People are so busy, they don't want to volunteer. Um, But for us, it was kind of like, okay, we really need people to step up or else we're not going to be able to continue and um, a lot of people really feel strongly that this is the group they want to be in. And I'm mm-hmm. one of those people. So it was like, okay, Alicia, time to step up. And so I eased in as member at large and kind of as things went on, became vice president and then president. So
1: obviously this was the association you were a member of. Um, mm-hmm. So two questions then. How many associations are are there out in Nova Scotia, and what made you decide to join this one?
2: Uh, there are three at the moment, and they're now official in the new Title Protection Act. We're all mm-hmm. listed. Um. So at that time, I think it was the same three, but I really am not sure Uh It was just um, a decision I made because this association is less expensive by far, (laughs) and also when I graduated, um, the larger association had a board exam in place, which was a requirement to join them, and so I kind of felt like I'm not moving away anytime soon, and Mm -hmm. the exam is really expensive, and I want to work right away. So that really made the decision for me at that point.
0: I can see that. So the the association that you're involved with now, are the members only massage therapists or does it also consist of other body workers?
2: They're mostly massage therapists. Um, We have a small handful of other body workers. Such as? Holistic practitioners. So such as um, Bowen and craniosacral, stuff like that.
0: And the other associations, those are strictly massage therapy associations? Are they mixed as well?
2: Um, MK is strictly massage therapy, and then NHPC is active here as well, and they have a lot of holistic practitioners across the country.
0: Does does M10 still have their their exam? Just out no. of curiosity, yeah, because we were talking to uh, the Massage Therapy Association in Alberta. They were on our podcast, and they said that they got they used to have an exam for their members to to join the association, and they got rid of it as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it would, may have been the same kind of thing. It was a real barrier for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the whole backstory on why the exam is no longer here, but, um well, if, yeah, it par- we- if it
0: parallels anything, what they told us in Alberta is that there, there's a couple of other associations as well. And you know what, just, just to keep our membership, it doesn't make sense for us to have this extra barrier, not barrier, but this extra step for them to go. Well, it through. is,
1: it is a barrier. It would be a deterrent if, if there's three associations, one of them I have to write an exam, which is an extra expense and extra stress and just, you know, an extra step, then yeah, I can understand people wanting to join the associations that don't have that I just don't want to call exam. it a barrier. Well, it's, it's a deterrent well, and it I would mean, definitely decrease
0: membership. I know, but I also see as some sort of entrance examination as a good thing. I see
1: it as an, uh, right. definitely as a good thing, but it I was reading of, on... It separates,
0: um, it separates you from, from, you know, someone else who didn't have to do that. In other words, it kind of creates this tier system, this imaginary tier system. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's, I I see it as a good thing as well, but I was reading on um, your website, Alicia, uh, that You guys are very strict about the level of education, I guess, of the therapists who are joining your association. So although there isn't an exam, there is a minimum requirement and a standard of education that the therapists have to have before joining the association. So can you tell us a a little bit
0: about the qualifications that need to be there in order for membership to be granted?
2: Sure. Yeah. So the 2200 hour standard we've had that in place for quite a while, and um prior to twenty thirteen some members, like people from the United States who had graduated from a thousand hour program, mm-hmm. they were admitted as massage therapists, and that's because the insurance companies um covered them the like Blue cross paid for their treatments. And then in 2013, I was not on the board then, but I kind of um, heard about it. There was a big uh, change from the insurance companies here. They said we're only going to cover treatments done by 2200 hour therapists. Mm-hmm. So they kind of brought that in a long time ago. And some people um, could prove that they had an equivalent. So if they had, say, a Bachelor of Science degree plus their thousand-hour program, then they had to kind of present that to the association and they got to stay. So we still have a small handful of equivalent members, but we cannot accept any new equivalent members. And Mm -hmm. now with the Title Protection Act, it's laid out that um, you must have successfully completed a course of at least 2,200 hours. hours. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about the exam, at the end of our program, here at least, you do kind of like an OSCE type exam to pass at the end. So you do have that similar experience of that uh, big exam and, you know, it's just, it's not official. It can't transfer to... um, you can't move to Ontario with that just from your school. but it's...
1: You mean at the end of school, not to join the association, right? Yeah, at
2: okay. the, yeah to get your diploma. We are kind of doing that OSCE exam yeah. type thing. It's just not official, but they have to do that so that if you move, you're able to kind of keep up, right? Because you will mm-hmm. have to do the It's exam an
0: easier transition to doing a licensing exam in a regulated province.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So should we talk about the the title protection then, what that means? We've got listeners from all over the place and I'm sure there's some people who are thinking what does that even mean? Yeah. yeah. Let's <laughs> let's let's
0: let's find out what what happened with the title protection. In other words, what were the reasons that the and I'm assuming all of the 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 three associations were pro title protection. That's an assumption I'm making.
2: Yeah, it actually came as a surprise because I don't. This is the first province that has um, brought this forward. This was um, submitted by the government. They brought this up as a new bill, and uh, it wasn't um, initiated by the associations the oh, same really? way that yeah. Yeah, so for self-regulation, which means having a college, um, you have to fill out an application. You know, all the boards have to, and there's a whole bunch of questions, and you have to meet all these requirements that are set out in this guide. Um, So a government guide on self-regulation, applying Mm -hmm. for it. But this title, Protection, came about... um, through the government, and it was in response to some complaints. Um, so this was talked about on CBC briefly. Uh, the minister, the health minister, he did say. So when you kind of
0: when you say complaints, were these complaints from the general public to I the think, to the various yeah. associations about the conduct no. of their members? Or
2: no? So okay. what it was, it was I it was a direct response basically to a sexual assault case. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a bit of coverage on it last April. There was sort okay. of a week long coverage with radio and all of that stuff. And so after that, this um, act was brought forward by the government and I don't have the information on how many complaints from the public or what type of complaints mm-hmm. or anything, but it brought enough um, attention that uh, the government felt that they wanted to do something. So this is what they did. And it's actually uh, a really good thing. And I think all massage therapists here welcome it.
0: I'm curious about the complaints or the, how do, how do you term it? The the subjects of the complaints, the, the therapists associated. So were those therapists actually massage therapists, members of associations, or were those therapists just using the term Or the title, Massage Therapy?
2: So, the case that got a lot of coverage in April was a registered massage therapist, and that hasn't been decided yet by the courts, and um, I can't go into detail about the individual case, but, um, yeah, it was someone that was already registered, you know, and who has the 2200 hours, who has the insurance, um, all of that stuff, so... There was just quite a bit of media attention about that one particular case. I think that's a big
0: part of it, is when the media grabs hold of something, and then it explodes. It's it's kind of like, well, the government's Mm -hmm. got to respond in some way, and this seems to be an appropriate response.
2: Yeah, it does kind of explode, and... You know, people should know what's going on, but we also don't need to overreact as well and uh, or sensationalize things or Mm -hmm. make the public fearful of massage therapists. (laughs) Um, I find that part of it a little bit. uh, It's a little bit disheartening, you know,
1: but that's what the media does, regardless if it was a massage therapist, a doctor, a dentist, the minute they get a hold of something. And there's a story, they're going to run with it, right? And it's, you know, they're going to vilify whoever the accused person is, regardless of their profession. So yeah, it sucks when it's an RMT, but I I mean, I guess it it's partially because of the nature of our job. I think it hurts us a little bit more. Not that doctors aren't super intimate, but the fact that when you go see a doctor, very often, you know, you're not alone in the room with them. There's a nurse there. When you're with a massage therapist, you, it's it's just you and your client, do right? Do you
0: think when the general public reads or hears these types of things in the in the news that it deters them from seeing a massage therapist? Like, if you're already a patient of massage therapy, I don't think it's going to change your mind. But do, mm-hmm. do you actually think it, it causes people to look at massage therapy differently or think twice before they book a massage therapy treatment?
1: I think they're more likely to look at massage therapy, like the entire profession differently versus when it's a doctor. I think I've spoken about this before. If you go to a dentist and you have a negative experience, your reaction typically is going to be to find a better dentist. If you go to a massage therapist and have a negative experience based on surveys that I've read in the past, and I wish I had resources to tell you about, but it's, it seems to make a person think twice about the entire profession. And again, I think it's the nature of the fact that it's a very personal, very, you know, the, the client's in a very vulnerable position and it's more one on one. Whereas, you know, if it's a dentist that does something, typically there's a dental assistant or a hygienist. There's other people around, right? The okay. mm-hmm. massage therapist, it's just you and your client. So if anything were to happen, it's he sh- he said, she said kind of thing, right? And you think mm-hmm. that,
0: that, therefore, the general public, someone that doesn't regularly get massage therapy treatment, that is a deterrent?
1: I think so. Yeah. And like I said, I know that I've read. Um, okay. Survey information in the past, and I will try to find that. That actually was, it, there was a question, it's a phrase like that, you know, like if you were to have a negative experience, would that deter you from seeking massage therapy in the future? And I think that there was more of a, um, a yes response to that, then I think there would be with a doctor or a dentist because you're not just going to say, I'm never going to the dentist again. And then you think that spills into to people that have never had massage therapy then? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm just wondering. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Alicia? Am I crazy? Well, you're crazy no. regardless. But.
2: No, <laughs> definitely not. We have a unique profession and a unique role with people and, um, you know, you're in a very vulnerable state. When you're on a massage table, partially undressed or fully undressed, you're extremely vulnerable. Um, So, yeah, and I feel that we all feel it when there's a case, um, especially online. Someone will share an article where someone has found themselves in the situation where they've been charged with sexual assault. And we all feel it like it feels like a kick to the gut, you know. And the comments are always, uh, this makes us all look bad. And, you know, this really, this really affects the whole profession. And, um, yeah, it's a really delicate thing for people. So
0: because of these types of complaints, title protection became a good idea.
2: Yeah, basically, um, that was the, the main impetus for this to come into creation. We didn't,
1: I didn't know
2: this was an option. I thought all there was was self-regulation with a college.
1: I was just going to say that, and I'm so glad you did. And I was almost embarrassed to say, like, I actually didn't realize that title protection could exist without uh, becoming regulated. I thought they kind of went together. So I was sort of surprised to hear that um, Nova Scotia now has this title protection, but they're still not a regulated province. So Yeah. Learn something learn something new today. <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly. It is very new. It's the first um province in Canada where the government has has brought this forward. It hasn't been um through requesting a college. So It's uh, unique and it's new and um, it'll be interesting to see whether other provinces go this way or if they go the full college regulation route.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about the title protection? So in other words, what would qualify someone to be able to call themselves a massage therapist? They need to be a member of the association, whichever associations. Uh, There needs to be 2,200 hours of Mm -hmm. education, and can you give us uh, all of the other things involved in that?
2: Sure. So they have to have professional liability insurance um, in the amount determined by the association. I believe it's $2 million at the moment. Um, They have to be a member in good standing of their association. Uh, they have to submit a criminal record check to the association. So that's new for us. We didn't require the criminal record check in the past. Other associations did. They have to submit an annual declaration to the association they belong to, attesting um, to the matters prescribed by the regulations. So it's just that they haven't been... um, charged with anything they haven't uh had any complaints or anything like that and um it's pretty it's basic but now it's in the law you know so nobody can say massage therapy or massage therapist or any of that stuff the same as in ontario the title is now protected which is good there was a concern a lot of people share that um Regulation is important so the public knows they're seeing an educated therapist. And now we have this in the law that anyone who says they are a massage therapist actually has Mm -hmm. insurance and belongs to an association that you can talk to and um, they can prove all of these things.
1: So, do you think that in Nova Scotia, the, the three associations um, and the massage therapists there, do you think that a lot of you guys are still in favor of regulation? Or do you think this title protection has kind of satisfied people in terms of, you know, who can can and can't call themselves maybe massage therapists? Maybe
0: we should even find out if the majority of therapists in Nova Scotia were in favor of it to begin with being yeah. regulated, right? We're making the assumption that they are in mm-hmm. favor of regulation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I've seen personally on a one-to-one level in talking with massage therapists is that a lot of them, um, and this is over my 10 years, were not really in favor of a college. They weren't in favor of the exam and the cost associated. Um, A lot of people also didn't understand what a college really meant. Um, So, I find, um, personally, I feel like the title protection is sufficient. I feel like the associations do a really good job. And um, I also feel like uh, the risk of harm uh, that can't be dealt with through other means is low. So that's one of the... um, one of the questions, you know, in the application for self-regulation is, what are the specific risks to the public that would be addressed by self-regulation? And so, and then another part asks the the risks that can't be uh, dealt with with other measures that are already available. So, for me, um, fraud. The other measures are the insurance companies can investigate. They have investigators, they have resources, all of that. And also they can then forward their findings to the police. And if you steal a bunch of money from your client's insurance, you can be charged by the law. Um, Same thing with sexual assault. I feel like the police have the investigators and the resources and the power to really do that. And the other thing is... um, For me, that because massage therapy is not a controlled act, even if uh, an association or a college says you can't practice, they—if somebody really wanted to—they still could. They could still go do their massage. Mm -hmm. And um, but if the court and the RCMP says we're placing these conditions on you and you're not allowed to practice on a certain population or you're not allowed to practice at all. And if you do, that's a breach of your conditions that has a lot of weight to it. You're, you know, being charged with things.
0: Yeah. That has more weight to it than some sort of discipline that would come from a regulatory body. Yeah,
2: for sure. That's what I feel. That's what I feel about it. And um, it took me over the past year and a half to gather all of this together and get it straight for myself um what all of this means and doesn't mean and so for public safety i feel like um i feel like the police and reporting to the insurance companies and the associations working with those groups um is really sufficient at this time.
0: With that, I assume that all of the associations have some sort of means of reprimanding its members when it comes down to things like misconduct or incapacity or incompetence, that type of thing, I assume, right?
2: Yeah, we have a full disciplinary um, section in our policy and procedure, and associations absolutely do hold the power to Suspend with good cause. Um, it should be legally sound. You know, you shouldn't be suspending people without it really being able to be backed up um, legally because you're affecting people's careers. But absolutely, if there's a risk to the public or if somebody needs more training or somebody needs um, just even a reprimand or talking to the association can do that and can put a letter in their file. And if other issues came up down the road, you'd have a, a history, okay, like you've had a lot of complaints, what's going on here? Um, But definitely, um, if the association takes your name off the register, you can't bill the insurance anymore. You're going to be off the insurer's list. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a power. That associations
0: have. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line now is the associations, along with title protection, seem to be functioning very much like a regulatory body. Mm -hmm. The only question I would have then is,
1: okay, so here in Ontario, we are regulated and we all have our registration number from the college. So when I say I'm a registered massage therapist, I have the number to back it up. Is there, do you feel that it's equivalent then if somebody were practicing, calling themselves a massage therapist, is just being a member of the association, do you feel that's equivalent to having the registration number from the college?
0: Well, in the eyes of the insurance provider who pays the bill, the majority of the times it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So then is, is there a difference in how this would, I'm putting this sort of in air quotes, how this would be like policed of somebody using a protected title? Is there a difference whether the Uh, province is regulated or unregulated?
2: Yeah. So there is a difference. So this is part of the act, the title protection act. I'll read it out. Every person who contravenes this act is guilty of an offense and liable on summary conviction to A, for a first offense, a fine of not more than $15,000, and for a subsequent offense, a fine of not more than $30,000. So if someone is misrepresenting themselves as a registered massage therapist, uh, we would report them to the police. Mm-hmm. And so the police would t- take care of this. It's a-, a crime here to misrepresent yourself as a massage therapist now.
1: But the same as here in Ontario?
0: I believe because there's self-regulation, it would be the College Massage Therapist right. of Ontario that would have to, you know, I mean, I'm just, just I'm, spitballing here, so I'm stupid.
1: I
2: f- I just want to add something before I forget to that. Yeah. I believe I've seen this in different places and heard it in school, probably, that um, with the college, the college will take the individual to court for using the protected title.
0: Yeah. Okay. You brought light to it. You made sense (laughs) compared to what the fuck I was saying. (laughs)
2: Yeah. So in that case, then basically the members are paying for that action to be taken against the... The massage or the person. Right. Using and then, the title. They go,
0: then they go on a list of illegal practitioners. Mm-hmm. And so I assume that those illegal practitioners would have some sort of court order saying, if you perform any type of body work, blah, 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 blah. blah. This is this is the repercussion.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the difference um, for me. I feel like with title protection here, it's wonderful that the cost doesn't have to be um, paid by the members. I think that's great. It doesn't up our fees at all to have that
1: protection. Yeah, and as Mark has said on a couple of the most recent episodes, he's been attending disciplinary hearings with our college and realizing fuck. how fucking expensive it is to us. like oh, To yeah. us, there's, massage therapists. I there's mean, a heavy how, fee that comes to really, the membership. Yeah, it's really, really expensive. Just all of it. All of it's expensive. So definitely that's a plus for title protection is that it's not the massage therapists who are paying for other people's discretions, indiscretions.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like yeah. this idea of title protection in the non-regulated provinces.
1: I know. As I'm listening to her talk, I'm like, hmm, this is this is sounding I mean, really good. <laughs> the only thing
0: that, I, a couple things that are missing then would be the ease of mobility into regulated provinces, because then you'd still have to go do a licensing exam, yeah. versus moving from another regulated province to another regulated province, then mobility becomes easier.
2: That's true, yeah. Joining That's another the one college. piece that we don't really get with this. But, you know, a point that I feel about that whole thing is that if the whole purpose of a college is the protection of the public and in order to um, be granted a college, you have to prove the risk of harm, right. um, you know, which re- that can't be dealt with by other means. so physical injury, um, shouldn't everyone be prepared to take an exam at every time? And if that's the case that we're, dangerous enough to need full regulation, um, yeah, shouldn't there just be an exam for everyone if that was the case? But it's not the case because massage is not a controlled act because it's seen as pretty safe on the whole. It's so safe that anyone can charge for massage, because in general, people aren't being injured. Yeah, I've never never heard of anyone
1: dying from a massage. No,
2: thank goodness, right? And um, the insurance industry keeps their data pretty close and pretty private, but um, if people were really being injured, it would be on the news, you know? So our insurance rates are really low because we're a low-risk profession. And so that whole thing about um, the exam and being necessary to protect people. I get it. Um, I think it shows a level of education and a level of skill, but, um, I don't think it's the be all end all to who's a good therapist at all. You know, well, yeah, I I mean, being a therapist and get, a different treatment or a different result.
0: Being a good therapist and passing uh, a licensing exam that is based on entry-level competency and skill, those are two different things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Do the associations in Nova Scotia or in the Maritimes in general, do you guys have requirements for continuing education for your members? We do,
2: yeah. So we still require CEUs. I know Ontario has changed the program, which is Mm -hmm. so interesting to me that they've done that. Um, So we require 30 credits in three years and uh, we allow you to get those 30 credits anytime over the three years. So if you want to take a couple big expensive courses, you're going to get all your credits, which is awesome. We used to have a requirement of 10 per year, so people were taking littler courses or doing smaller activities like articles mm-hmm. and things like that. And just to get the credits, but we thought, and, um, you know, all of us and the members that show up to the AGMs to vote, we uh, decided to make it a little bit easier. So it's one CEU per hour for courses. They're different breakdowns for different activities. Right. Um, So if you take a craniosacral course, it's five days, you're going to get most of your credit, hour per CEU. And then secondary activities... So that's things that aren't directly in your scope, but like business courses or, you know, the other kind of things like uh, Reiki still counts. So or aromatherapy, if you take that, it's a secondary credit. You get one CEU for every two hours of class instruction.
1: It all sounds exactly like what we used to do, doesn't it? Category A and category B.
0: Well, I mean, ours were always for every two hours of yes. education, there was one credit. Yep. And we still have education that we have to complete. It's just not counted anymore in terms of credits or units. But yeah, we still there's
1: have no to do. hours. Um, it, it, There's no minimum number of hours or credits, but everybody still has to do continuing education. It's a little mm-hmm. more self-directed, but it's a little, a, l- a <laughs> it's, little, it's, it's completely self-directed. self-directed. But yeah, yeah I, I, the reason I asked that is because I was trying to think of all the different things the college does. You know, we've talked about discipline. We've talked about protecting the public. Now we've talked about continuing education. Like, it sounds like the associations in unregulated provinces are really just acting like our college does.
0: They would have their membership committee or their membership Mm -hmm. department. They would have their inquiries, complaints and reports department. Mm -hmm. They would have their investigations. They would have their discipline. It's pretty much the way it's run.
2: Yeah, we really um, were really modeled after how the CMTO was. Yeah, sounds good. And even in school we learned all CMTO standards and things like that. So that makes sense. Ontario was the first regulated province. So it makes sense that we would model after them. But yeah, it's okay to it's okay to just have this and have our association. Um that's what I feel. Uh so we'll see if we get a college down the road and we'll cross that when we come to it. Um but for me I feel like this is this is a lot. Do you think
0: title protection is is something that actually would would make it safer? Would protect the public?
2: Make like it if safer. It-
0: Yeah. I mean, like if if one of the major reasons why this happened were complaints that were happening and in Nova Scotia, the government realized, hey, what the fuck? There's a lot of complaints that are happening against massage therapists. We should do something here. Does title protection actually change that landscape at all? Like if you're having members of associations that are in misconduct, is title protection going to change any of that? No, I don't think so. I
1: think the only thing it might change is um. Anybody who, because as we, were t- we talked about before, anybody could call themselves a massage therapist before. Yep. Now that they can't, it might deter some people from disguising themselves as mm. a massage therapist. And, you know, maybe somebody, like if I was a member of the general public, even here in Ontario, where, as you said, we've been regulated for a long time, people yep. understand what massage therapy is. There's still people who will come to me as a massage therapist. They see on my website, I call myself a registered massage therapist. They see diplomas on my wall. Like, it's very obvious. And I will okay. still have people say to me, are you an RMT? Will my insurance cover this? Like there's still confusion about what is a uh, licensed therapist and what's, you know, okay. because yep. massage is within the public domain. So I think there's going to be a little bit of benefit to this. I, say a little bit i mean i understand what you're saying is that there's still going to be people who do whatever the fuck they want those people are not going to be deterred by anything but i think there will still be some people who maybe then will stop calling themselves a massage therapist and if the public is aware that it's a massage therapist i want to see if they show up to somewhere and it just says you know like holistic body work or massage or masseuse or whatever fucking Mm -hmm. title somebody else is going to use they might Mm -hmm. understand no i'm looking for a massage therapist so that might improve yeah
2: maybe yeah definitely the risks that people talk about that was always one of them you know how do people know that they're going to a real therapist if we're not regulated fully and now we have this so you have to be a real therapist i mean I don't know if everyone here has heard about it, but um, for a first offense, you can be fined up to $15,000. That's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see a lot of people saying I'm a massage therapist that aren't, you know? Yeah, I was wondering We're if a that's a small place. Thing. We're yeah. a small place. That makes a difference, too, to how easy it is to keep track of everyone. There's about 1,500 massage therapists in total here. So oh, it's wow not like it's not like a huge, you know like you guys have 15,000, I think.
1: <laughs> we do, yeah. You know, and like I was just saying to my point that the general public doesn't totally understand the title anyway. Yesterday, I was at my daughter's gymnastics class and one of the mothers um, overheard me talking to another mother who knows I'm a massage therapist. And she said, oh, you're a masseuse. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they don't, I, they don't understand totally. So I can understand Mark's point is, is this going to change anything? Anything, and I think the only thing might be deterring people who don't have the qualifications from maybe mm-hmm. working on yeah. somebody that is outside of their scope, that they should be referring to a real therapist that knows how to deal with these issues. And then
0: it also creates the awareness for the general public. which Yeah, is a nice for good sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've listened in the past to interviews um, with you guys and other podcasts where it was talked about um so people don't even know there is a college of massage therapists people and then it's like well the question is should they be advertising that they exist the college of physicians and surgeons doesn't advertise that they exist so it's kind of interesting the lack of public awareness and it's like who does it fall to to bring this up and um yeah, hopefully in the next year or so, our association could put out some more public information, even just taking out a little ad, you know, in the in the community paper to just say, registered massage therapist, this is what to look for. And yeah, it's definitely a lack of awareness.
0: So in Nova Scotia, was there any move from the associations to become regulated at all? And if there was, has this slowed that down?
2: Um so, sorry, could you repeat the question?
0: Sure. Um, in Nova Scotia, have ha, has there been a general movement through the different associations to become regulated or no?
2: Um, yes, there has. So, the main association um, has always stated that their goal was to become regulated, and And I assume that
0: I assume that their population, their membership—that's what they the want largest. as well, right? Okay.
2: Yeah, they have the most therapists, and yeah, so that's been their position. There was an effort—I want to say 2003—and it's searchable. You can see they had an act, some kind of massage therapist act. Um, yeah, 2003 Massage Therapy Act. So they got so far, and then I'm not sure, it just never became proclaimed. Mm-hmm. And I read through the act, and I don't know what was going on in 2003. That was a long time before I got into this. But um, our association wasn't listed in that act, and I don't know how that would have turned out. Or um, But anyway, that effort didn't make it all the way through. And now, right now, uh, there is an application in from the other two groups. And Mm. so that is being reviewed by the government. Yeah, we probably won't know for a while if it's approved or not. So in that case, any therapists that are in any of the associations would be eligible for the college, I'm guessing, would be grandfathered in. And uh, then it would be similar to Ontario, probably, and BC and all of that with an exam and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But our association, we had a vote, actually, uh, an official vote. And I don't have my notes in front of me, but I believe we got 82 responses, Out of 150, I think we had 156 massage therapist members then. So over half responded and it was mostly um, not in favor at that time of the vote.
0: And was that time of the vote before title protection?
2: Uh, This was after title protection, Mm, actually. So title protection actually had been discussed And it had been, so the first reading was in October, October 11th, 2019. So we started, um, telling our members about title protection at that time. And I sent all the information out to them. So they were aware that this was coming and then our vote was at the end of November. So I kind of, I, we did some, uh, held some consultation meetings, not very many people turned up, uh, we have a lot of people that live out of the city, so they don't drive, you know, three or four or five hours for an in-person meeting. And um, so I just kind of typed up everything that I had seen and I typed up a lot of a lot of Q&A stuff. We asked for questions from the members and then typed up the document with the answers and sent that out to everyone and sent out the guide, the regulation guide that the government uses. We sent that to them so they could read it and kind of understand a little bit more. And uh, that was the result. Mainly not in favor at this time.
1: Yeah, and I I can understand that. I would be interested to know if... Anybody would have responded differently before title protection, but I have a feeling that probably not. Do You think the, the
0: majority yeah. of the membership, or at least the, the slightly over half, would have responded the same way?
2: I mean, a lot of our members have been with us for a long time and, you know, since the time when I graduated when there was an exam. So there's a reason they came with us. And... They didn't want to do the exam at that time and they probably wouldn't want to have to do one now or to have that be a requirement for new people. Um, graduating. Are
0: you familiar with what New Brunswick went through when they first had their licensing exam come in? For,
2: sorry, who? In
0: New Brunswick, when their college first came about and they had their round of licensing. Yeah, exams? I
2: read about that. And yeah, I think was... everybody except one person failed and they yeah, had some like that. kind of a class action lawsuit exactly. or something. Exactly.
0: So as far as I know it, and I don't think I know it too well, but as far as I know it is, there were I think there was like 200 or something people that might've, or maybe I got the numbers wrong, but There was a small handful of people that actually passed. I think it was like one or two people that passed.
1: Yeah, it was very Mm -hmm. small.
0: And there was a whole shitstorm because everyone else that went to the same educational institutions got grandfathered in. They didn't have to write their exams. And imagine you go to school to become a massage therapist. You go into school. They're like, okay, yep. As long as you pass school and then you can join the association, you can practice and work and then while you're in school a college is formed mm-hmm. and then you are informed that well you can't go out and practice until you pass this college exam and mm-hmm. then the majority of people fail it
1: did they model the exam after hours like how Alicia's saying a lot of places Pretty are much. modeling after Ontario they had
2: Newfoundland's exam actually which
1: is which is ours which is Ontario yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so i don't know anything about the schools in new brunswick but um that was a really unfortunate situation yeah. and uh hopefully but they actually their whole so their whole application for regulation it was a private members bill and I'm no expert on this stuff but I do know this part of the story and so somebody in the government uh put it forward and it went through all the readings in one day oh, wow. and the next day they were regulated and had to enforce all of this stuff so our process here is different you know i've got this 38 page guide from the government about the process it's very in depth they don't just they don't do the private members bill here anymore and this guide is recent too I don't have the date on it but it's within the past few years the government put out this self-regulation guide Mm -hmm. and I think it was to avoid things like that happening probably
1: yeah I would be so pissed man if I went to school and learned everything and then you go to do an exam and if everybody fails obviously the exam was not representative of what you just
0: studied but not even that it's like the dude that graduated six months before me he's working he's working and yeah, he gets grandfathered so in, I'd be fucking angry.
1: I would be so pissed. Um, it's funny, when you were talking about uh, modeling things after Ontario, it reminded me, and I know I've brought this up before, about any time I've ever traveled outside of Ontario, um, to other, pr- I've, I've not been to all of the provinces, but anywhere I've gone, at some point, um, somebody has made some sort of remark about being from Ontario and how we think we're the center of the universe. Bad enough that I'm from Toronto, Ontario. But there was one, I think it was in Calgary Everybody uh, Referred to Ontario As (laughs) (laughs) Ontario. So I think it's funny That all the provinces Would model after us Because I don't think That they all like us Too much
2: (laughs) I don't know I've actually never spent much time in Ontario, so I'm not going
1: to judge. <laughs> Mark and I went to Nova Scotia once by accident. Yeah, we were wow. on our way to PEI, and I think I made a right instead of a left. <laughs> yeah, and we ended up, yeah, we ended up, suddenly we see the sign, Welcome to Nova Scotia. We're like, oh shit, we didn't mean to do this. But we got out of the car, took a picture in front of the <laughs> sign saying, Welcome to Nova Scotia, and then turned around and went to PEI. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, I, think, well. I think we're going to have to visit Nova Scotia at some point because yeah. we only went there for, you know, 10 minutes by accident. Yeah. yeah, we've had
0: some people take some some of our courses flying in from Nova Scotia. Yeah, so I yeah think it's like to awesome. It
2: you guys are doing a lot with your courses. I saw you have some online options as well for yeah. record keeping and ethics, which is yeah. really good to have that online. Mm-hmm.
1: We are talking, actually, the blog post will go up at some point today that I just Um, wrote for Con Ed update and we are hoping to actually look into getting our courses into other provinces so maybe we'll come out to Nova Scotia because I'm realizing now as we talk to therapists from all over the place that all the regulated, non-regulated regardless of what the education is we actually all do need the same type of continuing education and there would be value with our courses Mm -hmm. all over Canada not just here in Ontario so uh, we're thinking we want to come and visit all you guys soon. Does your
0: association do you guys have to i know i'm just asking for me personally now does your association (laughs) require your members to take courses that are approved by the association or your members free to kind of take whatever they want.
2: They're free to take whatever they want. They just submit it. And if it is within the guidelines and makes sense, then they're going to get credit. So a lot of of providers choose to get approved because it's nice to say you're approved by the Mm association, but they certainly don't have to be. No, we, we give credit where, you know, it's warranted. People want to take different things.
1: Yeah. Mark's got a huge smile on his face right now because he has this <laughs> itch to travel this year yeah. and now that our kids are getting a little bit older I'm feeling it too. I feel like, you know, even if we just went a few places a year and brought some courses there, I think it would be really great to start meeting therapists all over Canada, not just here in Ontario. So
0: Well, or not meet them over the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know. I think everybody feels like they know you guys cuz we've listened to you so much. So it would be nice for you to come out and definitely get some uh, get some courses going. It's really All fun. Right. Um, really
1: fun. Well, then, Alicia, maybe off mic. The three of us need to chat and set something up because I think that Mark wants to get out of Ontario very soon and huh. do some traveling. For a little bit, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Is there anything else we need to talk about in regards to regulation, title protection? Anything else you guys have on your minds?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm don't getting know. blank stares
1: from Mark, so... Yeah. I, think that's it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, regulation is a hot topic, right? All across the country. You see it on the forums whenever it comes up. It's a really hot topic. Um, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about associations and there's a lot of um, people that feel like there's nothing associations can do and that's not true. That's kind of what I'd like people to know is that, you know, it is a big deal to get disciplined by your association. If you're Mm -hmm. doing something serious, they can remove you. And um, with this declaration, with the title protection, you can't just jump from association to association so easily. Um, which is a good thing, and we'll see how it develops. Um, Our association did vote against it for now. Um, I feel like if a lot of therapists had the chance to sit down and have all their questions answered in kind of a neutral way um, to understand the full extent of what regulation can and cannot do, which I'm not seeing happening a lot with uh, with new colleges being formed. I don't think there's a huge, huge consultation process going on. I feel like there's just kind of this wave of, okay, we all should do this. We all should regulate. It's the right thing to do, but not a lot of inquiry or examination of, is it really necessary um, to protect the public and to be professionals? So. Yeah,
1: I think even here in Ontario, maybe it's because we've been regulated so long that I don't think a lot of RMTs even actually stop and think about what does the college do? What does the association do? And I know that we did an episode with um, the executive director of the the Registered Massage Therapists Association in Ontario a while back and The membership is actually very low. And I don't know if that's because we're regular or I assume it's because we're regulated and everybody, you know, we all pay our dues to the college and people Mm -hmm. are not seeing the value in the association. Whereas there in Nova Scotia, you guys are not regulated and everybody sees what their association can do for them. So I don't know. Do we have a backwards? I I don't know.
2: I don't know either. I mean, I haven't. I don't know the whole history, but I think I've read that, uh, you know, the whole massage therapist regulation came about just to make it a profession after the war or something because they were doing massage on soldiers for rehab. And in the beginning, I thought that I read about that, that that was kind of why massage had a board, was to make it a real profession. And um, it's just kind of morphed from there into more of all about... uh, Discipline, public protection, and discipline. But um, mm-hmm. I've read some report, some articles, and I've heard some other podcasts on your podcast actually about a breakdown of how many complaints actually um, are serious and how many go through the whole process. And then I believe it was not a very high number for all of Ontario. They were of those two categories: the financial abuse with the insurance and Mm -hmm. the sexual assaults, sexual inappropriate touch um, Mm -hmm. categories. And, you know, so those can be dealt with, um, you know, through the police and through um, the insurance companies. That's kind of my main thing is I feel like we're safe. I feel like the public is protected. I feel like, um, you know, maybe we're just not all informed enough on what to do. Right. If something happens, we need to have more discussions about those kind of things.
0: Do the association, like your association, does does it have the freedom or the rights to investigating any of its members? So, for example, going into their practice and examining their practice setting, like a peer assessment or through yeah. an investigation, yeah. and looking through patient files, that type of thing. Are you yeah. permitted to do that as an association?
2: We are, yes. Yeah, it's in our um, policy and procedure document that uh, an investigation can be opened up and it can be, you know, there can be a discipline committee or you can get different volunteers who have no connection to the person or whatever right. to be neutral. And definitely we can request files. And if it was a question of like safety in the environment, definitely you could Go and look at their office. And it doesn't happen. We don't get a lot of complaints at our association anyway. Very, very few and far between, which is a wonderful thing.
1: Aside from complaints and opening an investigation, is there a part of your quality assurance program that is similar to, like Mark just said, like a peer assessment? So, for us here in Ontario, there's actually um, a peer assessment process where you get drawn randomly and you're informed that somebody is going to, somebody from the college is going to come into your practice and they look through files and look through your record keeping being your appointment book, your billing procedures. They look at the clinic space, your equipment, hygiene, like anything just to make sure that you're following all the standards. Does that exist with the associations?
2: It doesn't. No, that would be quite expensive and, you know, a big undertaking, yeah. but definitely um we can respond to any of those issues if they came up. And certainly go and check things out and work with the therapist to improve it because that's not like a a punishment thing if you get peer assessed and you're doing something wrong. They just correct you and kind of make sure you you fix it,
1: right? Yeah. It's not, it's not meant to be for punishment. It's meant to, well, it's exactly as it said, it's quality assurance. It's a a part of protecting the public, I guess, is that the the Mm -hmm. peers come in and make sure that we're running our practices according to the standards set forth by the college. So it's a regular, it's something that happens on a regular basis and it can happen anytime. And, it, I think that's maybe the only thing I've heard so far that the CMTO is doing in terms of protecting the public versus the association. Yeah,
0: I mean, so when you take a look at the powers and duties uh, that normally happen under a college, if you break them down into just basic guidelines, we're talking about one, government manage the body charged with overseeing the profession, two, set standards and requirements to be met by those wishing to enter the profession, three, set standards of practice for medical members of the profession, four, making and enforce rules with respect to complaints, investigations, and discipline, and then five, prosecute offenses under its legislation. Based on everything that I'm hearing um, us talk about the associations, the only thing that an association can't do is the fifth thing, prosecute offenses under its legislation. And in those mm-hmm. scenarios, they refer it out to you know, the authorities, like she says, yeah. insurance anything that has, and, yeah, anything that mm-hmm. has Absolutely. any kind of major harm to it.
2: Yeah. And it's just not such a big process, you know, not so costly um, as having the investigators and all of that staff involved. It's just kind of more of a peer thing. Right. where, yeah, a small committee will review both sides of a case and kind of work through it with both parties for something that's not a serious uh, criminal matter. Mm-hmm. And... um yeah, so if somebody, like, say, if somebody, if the RCMP suspended someone from working on the public, they would have good reason. We might not be privy to those reasons, but we would mirror the RCMP right. recommendation. We're not going to say, oh, well, they, the, you know, you can still practice. That doesn't even make sense. So there's a lot in place. There's a lot that's working really well, and um, there's always work to be done. We know that, but it's such a... Such a broad landscape, massage therapists and how Mm -hmm. they work. Right? Each practice is is different. So we've talked about that on your on your show as well about spa versus clinic, and where does the line get drawn? And a lot of people want, you know, there to be. Some people want separate tiers of massage therapists, and it just gets too gets too complicated with all of that stuff. It's an interesting interesting time. Interesting profession. (laughs)
1: Well, on the positive, I'm really happy for you guys out there in Nova Scotia. I think this title protection is great for you. I think the associations are doing good work. And I hope that Con Ed will be visiting you sometime in 2020. Fuck yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Put it out there. Let us know.
2: That would be great. All
1: right. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. I think this is some really good information. And even for people who are not in Nova Scotia or in the Maritimes or in an unregulated province, I think this is just a good conversation for people to actually really start looking at what regulation means, what colleges do for you, what your associations do for you, and just understand the profession a little bit better. I think there's a lot of people working as a massage therapist that don't even understand all of these things. And um, it's, it's good to get these conversations out there. So thank you. I appreciate you taking time for us. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. And then
0: as, you know, as time goes on and uh, things start happening out there, you know, any updates that come along with the title protection or any updates that come along with uh, prospective regulation, we'd love to have you back on.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.